0: It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the
1: races, and he stays on his feet. going
0: to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy Football today. Three-day weekend coming up. Just a reminder, we do not have a show on Monday. We'll be back on Tuesday with a Dynasty episode. I'm Adam Azer with Dan Schneier. We've got a Friday mailbag. We've got the Fantasy Cops coming on. It's just me and Dan. I've got some exciting, exciting news about our startup Dynasty League and how much money we're raising for St. Jude. And Dan, I'm, I'm spreading some good cheer right now. I'm I'm feeling it and ready for the weekend. And what's going on?
1: I'm also in a good mood, Adam. I saw late last night, I think it was like 1137. We had seen that bid for the Dynasty League go all the way up over 3000. I was like, you know, it feels good to be involved in that. And it also reminded me of two things. One, I'm going to have to take this Dynasty League incredibly seriously. This is now going to become my most important league, even, you know, surpassing my home league because look, if someone's willing to donate to St. Jude, which is what you're doing here, if you're bidding to be in our Dynasty League, you're not just going to be playing with Adam, myself, Heath and others. You're also going to be helping support our cause, Draftathon for St. Jude. And this is the greatest way to kick this off in my opinion, because, you know, sometimes some of our bigger events are later in the year, Adam, to do this in June and get this kind of support from our community. It's really good feeling.
0: It's incredible. $3,550. That's what the last spot in the Dynasty League is going for right now. We still have four days left. So if you want in the startup Dynasty League, and there is a disclaimer in there, like I said yesterday, that, uh, I that you know this the league can be shut down by me any any we, we won't let it happen. It's not Adams happen, claiming yeah. that he
1: has power to shut down this league. He doesn't have the kind of power he's claiming he has. I mean that that's true. But I was just-
0: give it you know, <laughs> but, but you know I wouldn't worry about that. So just <laughs> uh, I just it's kind of a disclaimer, but it is possible. I can't completely eliminate that, but if you're bidding, I, I I wouldn't be concerned about that. So anyway, um, uh, all right, let's get into our emails. We have emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. We have your Apple Podcast questions. Apple Podcasts, a great way to have your question read on the air right now. Please leave us a five-star review and include in that review to tell everybody why you like it, why you like the show, and then you can ask a question and we'll get to it on the show, most likely. Uh, Email of the day is from Eric, and he did the capitalization on that, by the way, from where Evil Knievel attempted to jump the Snake River Canyon. No idea. Uh, Arizona. Sure. If you decided to go with a zero RB team or a zero wide receiver team, who is the last running back or wide receiver that you would feel comfortable drafting as your RB one or wide receiver one Call it a 12 team league?
1: Yeah, I like this is a great question. I think this is a really fun question because a lot of people do try to go out and have some kind of interesting strategy like zero RB or zero wide receiver. I haven't seen zero wide receiver as much or as prevalent as zero RB. I've never tried it myself. But I am intrigued by it, and we'll get to that in a second. So let me start with running back, Adam. I think looking at the rankings and looking at where I have my backs, the guy I'd be most comfortable with as my final, you know, this is my guy, this is my dart throw on our zero RB strategy, is actually Alexander Madison. So I think when it comes to Madison, his ADP will remain kind of deflated as it is right now because – A lot of this is you look at Madison, fantasy managers have seen him for a few years now, Adam, and they're in their minds, he's not that good of a talent. In their minds, he's not that good of a player. But ultimately, it's a lot more important what the Vikings kind of think about the situation, in my mind at least, right? They extend Alexander Madison. They give him a pretty hefty contract. For a running back, he has a very healthy deal. And his only competition, though they are talented players that I'm intrigued by, our former players who were drafted on day three, Ty Chandler was drafted on day three last year. I loved him. He was one of my favorite sleepers, but how crazy am I going to go about a guy drafted on day three? And then this year, Dwayne McBride, another player who I thought I kind of loved, and I kind of understand why the Vikings love him for their system. Uh, one cut zone runner, but am I going to go crazy about a day three pick Adam who had issues yeah. in pass production that I'm not sure will be fixed in year one? No,
0: but so but I wait, like Alexander can Madison, I, but I got to cut you off because yeah, when do you think we need to establish zero RB, zero wide receiver, what that means? I think Madison, like right now, if you look at his his rankings or his ADP, yeah. he, you know, it's like round six, but it's right. moving up. I think he's gonna be around four, maybe okay, round five pick. I don't okay, think I, he's gonna make it to round six,
1: personally. Okay. And you might be right by the time we get to August, that that goes up, but I think it's gonna remain in that five, six range because he's just not a name five, that's six. hot.
0: But is that your definition for zero RB and zero? That's my definition. Around
1: six is actually like right around five or six. either want to start with four, four receivers and a quarterback or three receivers and a quarterback or three receivers and a tight end or something like that.
0: Yeah. Madison is your answer. I'd be okay. If we're talking round six, I'd be okay with Rashad white. If you're drafting right now, Dalvin cook might go in that range. I a hundred percent be okay with James Conner that would be yep. uh, a great pick i think i'd be okay with cam akers i think round 6 is actually a decent round you know look i don't know what the adp is going to end up but i think you can pull that off i'd be much less likely to wait that long for a wide receiver i'd be shocked if i had any drafts where i took a wide receiver my first one later than round 4 um but round f- if you wait to round 5 those were sneezes not dan scoffing at me uh if you wait for round 5 at wide receiver uh, you know, could get Jerry Judy, could get Drake London, Chris Godwin, Marquise Brown if you like him, Christian Kirk. Round five is a pretty good wide receiver round. Round six, yeah, you know, it, you know, then you're, you're like Traylon Burks, Tyler Lockett, um, Steelers I guys d- maybe. <clears throat>
1: So. I don't think you can wait to round six for wide receiver Same. if you're going zero wide receiver. I don't think you can even wait till round five to be completely honest. And you don't have to, right? You get three running backs if you're going zero wide receiver. Now you have a pretty good depth there. Maybe you take a quarterback. Now you're in round five, or maybe you don't, and you start receiver in round four. But either way, I'm looking for even the guys you mentioned, Adam, that's not good enough for me. I need, if I'm waiting at receiver like that and going with an extreme zero wide receiver type approach, I need at least one guy I think can get 150 targets. So for me, it's Amari Cooper. That's kind of where I'm at. Or Keenan Allen, who's falling in drafts, and I see him, you know, keep falling in the rankings. Those two guys are really the guys I have my eyes on. Maybe even Chris Olave, though that one's a little bit more. I'm not so sure the targets are going to be that heavy. DJ Moore is another guy you can throw in there, but Moore, Cooper, Allen. I need somebody, I need some target upside there.
0: I did a league where I went sort of zero wide receiver. It was, it's a magazine league. Um, I took McCaffrey, second overall, Josh Allen in the second round at 23rd overall mark andrews at 26th overall in the third round so uh my next two picks were deandre hopkins and marquise brown and i don't know if i can understand the market this is
1: a side conversation for another day probably but i don't know if i can under just a quick thing i want to get your take on i don't this is one of the to me one of the weirdest adp so far is mark andrews because he's what 20 you got him you said at 25 in this draft uh six 26. 26. Yep. So a top 30 or top 26 type pick Mark Andrews had one dominant fantasy season. Yeah. And now he has Odo Beckham jr. I guess maybe not. You may not think as much of a factor, which is fine. And maybe the others don't. And Zay flowers in the mix. A lot of what made that season so dominant was such a target dominance and such a funneling of targets toward him in that season. Are we sure we're going to get that again?
0: So there will be more targets. I think without question, more targets gonna, for him. no, no, uh, overall, there'll be more pass have, attempts yep. for the Ravens without question. Um, When you look at Mark Andrews, it is true that he's only had that one great season and everything else he's been more like a fourth, fifth round pick kind of player. But look what he did last year before he got hurt. And look what he did last year before Lamar Jackson got hurt. So I still think he's a terrific pass-catching tight end and a major weapon. The clear number two tight end to me. I'm fine taking him in the third round. Um, I don't really put that much stock into Beckham, to be honest with you. I think Andrews is still the best receiver on the team. Uh, So that's where I'm at. I've always had trouble buying into Mark Andrews a little bit. Like last year I was out on him and I I wasn't, it ended up being a good call because he ended the season so miserably, but I think he was playing hurt and he was playing without Lamar Jackson. So you do have to fudge it a little bit and azer stat it a little bit and look (laughs) at just what he's done with Lamar Jackson, really. But people do that with Lamar Jackson. People, Lamar Jackson's only had one great season, but, you know, he's had two seasons where he's left games incredibly early after only a few snaps and killed his per game average. And without them, he would have been top five. That was in 2021. Anyway, So people are willing to do that with Lamar Jackson. I'm kind of willing to do it with Mark Andrews. All right. Um, let me tell you what happened to me this morning, Dan, because Father's Day is Thank coming God. up. And... Uh, I want to wish a early happy Father's Day to everyone. I want to tell you what you can look forward to as a father. So, uh, beautiful morning. I sat down. I, I was the first one up. I was doing some work at the table, at the kitchen table. So I don't have a very big house. <laughs> and um, then breakfast was made when the kids got up, and my mo- my wife made my mom. My wife made oatmeal cookies. Um, very like healthy, nutritious oatmeal cookies. Just basically oatmeal and um, banana, whatever. So. Um, I had one. It was great. My, and, you know, I've been gaining some weight lately, and I think a lot of dads can relate to this because there are the kids always leave food. They, they never finish their food. And there's just chicken fingers and fries and this and that all throughout the day and throughout the week that you just, you can't resist. And this morning was their oatmeal cookies. They ate <laughs> 80% of it. So I said to my wife, I was like, these are really good. And then I went and I took the leftovers from my son's plate. And she says, you're not eating Andrews, are you? And as soon as she said that, I knew exactly what happened. What happened? He chewed that piece, spit uh, it out, uh, put it back on his plate, and I was sitting there eating it for latest. about four or five seconds until she said that, and I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> went over to the garbage, spit it out, went to the sink, you know, I'm in the kitchen sink, you know, i Rinsing my mouth out, it was. Yeah, uh, the good
1: news is, at least you were at the kitchen sink, so you could go right away from spitting it out to brushing your teeth <laughs> because you got a toothbrush handy there at all times. We know that in the Azer household. Yep. But let me just ask you a question here: How in the world were you unable to identify chewed up and spit out cookie versus regular cookie?
0: It was. A, it's a soft. Chewy oatmeal, and it's kind of a gooey even if oatmeal it's a, cookie. Even soft no, it, cookies
1: have, even soft cookies have like a form to them.
0: It, no, it was, it, it's like an, it's like an amoeba cookie. It's, it's spe- just like oh, this doesn't
1: sound like a cookie anymore. It sounds like porridge or something. Like if you're gonna get <laughs> confused for, for chewed up and spit out cookie. Understand? There's cookie. no
0: sugar in it. There's no flour. <laughs> what does that in have it? to do with the it's, form? It, that there's has no flour to do with in it. There's, there's no flour or anything like that. It's just oatmeal. It's just oatmeal <laughs> and banana. And right, and but she did put it in the tross- has a shape and a form. Okay, it's we call hard. it a cookie. It's like a it's like an oatmeal bite. But no, I couldn't tell because it's a bushy cookie to begin with. <laughs> so that even was- even if you couldn't tell on sight, the minute you put it in your mouth,
1: you couldn't tell that I had been chewed up and spit out already. No, isn't that bad? Wow. <laughs> <That's
0: just> bad. <laughs> this is unbelievable to me.
1: <laughs> you needed your wife to be like, thank God she was there to to to, to at you. No,
0: honestly. At that point, she shouldn't even say anything. She shouldn't just let me, what you don't know know, can't hurt you.
1: Ignorance is bliss.
0: (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, that's what happened to me this morning. And happy Father's Day to all of the dads out there who have eaten chewed up food before. (laughs) Uh, News and notes, a very sad note. Our condolences to Ray Lewis and the family as Ray Lewis III, the the son of the Hall of Fame linebacker, has passed away at uh, too young of an age and so sad to see it. Um, Back to football on the field stuff. Uh, Sean Payton says he's optimistic about Javante Williams' progress, which is great. Uh, J.K. Dobbins wants more money. Dan had a hot take about this on Twitter. What do you think about him sitting out wanting a new contract?
1: I mean, read the room, JK. Saquon <laughs> Barkley can't get a new contract. We got Austin Eckler begging for a raise of like 1.75 million. And JK Dobbins, who has had zero stretches of of great play, like what he's had some good play. And I think he's a better running back than people realize on film, but he is no not in a position right now to be asking for a new contract in this market.
0: Yeah, I got to get a comment here from the chat from Shecky's inadvertently eating previously (laughs) true children food is a rite of passage for all dads. It's it is true. Um, uh, The commanders have made some preliminary inquiries on Kareem Hunt, uh, but also Ron Rivera said Antonio Gibson could be a matchup nightmare. Heath said he likes Gibson in the eighth round. I like Gibson in. 10th round, maybe? I, I don't really like Gibson. Um, I, I like him a
1: lot you in do? the 8th round. I'm with, I'm with Heath. Really? Not because of any of these Rivera comments. Just looking at that roster, I just kind of like the idea of Gibson with enemy. I think, although Scott Turner's offense was very running back friendly, I think the, the enemy offense is going to be just as running back friendly, maybe even more.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. I, I don't know if they're going to throw to the running back, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's a backup running so. back, right? I mean, Brian Robinson, I think, is going to lead that team in carries yeah. for sure. Yeah.
1: Maybe I'm overrating it because now I'm thinking about. It, I'm like, am I really going to trust any? No matter what the scheme is, no matter who's calling the plays, am I going to trust Sam Howell to throw to any of these running backs? He's a running quarterback, Sam Howell. Uh, he's probably going to be a first read quarterback too. So I, uh, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not as comfortable anymore. You've kind of talked.
0: No, I, about. I don't want to talk. I think it's reasonable no, in the. I think it's good. reasonable right. in the eighth rounds. I just. I wasn't a big Gibson fan to begin with because I didn't Same. think he was a good. Uh, I mean, a couple, like beginning a couple years ago, I'd say after his rookie season. Completely agree. You know, just, the guy's not that good of a running back. And Remember, some people pushed him
1: up to the round one, two turn after yes, that year?
0: Yes, crazy. and That
1: was craziness.
0: He wasn't even a running back in college. You know, he was a wide receiver. So, anyway, um, I did want to how say something.
1: that first season was also just like concentrated on how many touchdowns he had. Yeah, I feel like it, there weren't that many big plays. It was mostly just touchdown.
0: Um, I did want to uh, talk about Sam Howell just briefly. You called him a rushing quarterback. And did you see his college stats? Look at his three years in college yeah, where he's awesome. No, but it his uh, freshman year, he ran for 35 yards. Okay. What about the years after his sophomore year? He ran for 146 yards. His junior year, he ran for 828 yards and 11 touchdowns. I don't know that he's a rushing quarterback. I mean, I know he's capable of doing it, but I. I, I, You watch
1: that season, you'd know that he he could be a rushing. If you if Daniel Jones is considered a rushing quarterback, then Sam Howell is a rushing. But
0: look at him two years before that as a starter. He had a combined 180. All right, but I'm saying, okay, give me a guess. If he plays 17 games, how many rushing yards for Sam Howell?
1: If he plays 17 games, I'm thinking he's going to get between 550
0: and 600 rushing oh, yards. Wow. That would be a big yep. deal. I was thinking more like 350. Um, what else we got? Brent, uh, Buffalo wide receiver Trent Sherfield having a standout spring according to the Athletic, and I think the only thing that resonates there with me is that it might not be great news for Khalil Shakir. Uh, Rashad White. Oh no, excuse me. Um uh not Rashad White. Sorry, I'm blanking on the name of the other White, who is on the Raiders. Oh, um, <laughs> wow. Now I'm blanking on
1: his name, too. The uh, the rookie from last season. Lendell. Not, no, not
0: Lendell. Yeah, Zend-
1: Lendell uh, White. Is, no, not Lendell White. uh Why am I forgetting this dude's is, name is, from Georgia? The is kid from very, Georgia.
0: Yeah. Zamir White. Zamir White. Sorry about that. Yes. Zamir White could have a bigger role this season, according to The Athletic, even if Josh Jacobs signs his contract. Jacobs had 340 carries last year. The yeah. second most by a running back was 17. Uh, and there was another note about Taysom Hill being used everywhere and Hill saying he wanted to be more involved as a receiver. And I don't know. you have any thoughts about that? I was wondering, do you think, does Taysom Hill, I, I do believe that he, he uh, holds down the upside of whoever the starting running back is, whether it's Kamara or if right. he's suspended for however long, uh, Jamal Williams or the rookie Kendrick Miller or whoever. Do you think Taysom Hill holds down the value of Chris Olave at all?
1: No, not whatsoever. And I know we've heard stuff like this in the past. Last year, the conversation was, is Taysom Hill going to hold back the quarterbacks because he's going to play some quarterback in the red zone and take away some of their stats? That didn't really happen the way people thought it might. So I'm going to say no on that front. Uh, Adam?
0: Yeah, I didn't mean it in the sense that he's going to be a receiver. I just meant in the sense that, are they going to throw the ball so few times inside the 10-yard line because of Taysom Hill and, and the rest of their running game?
1: It really just depends how fast, in my opinion, Carr meshes with Olave. And I think that could be a fast situation we saw last year. Carr was really aggressive on the vertical plane with Devontae Adams. And that's a big reason why Devontae Adams had such a good season in his first year in Vegas, and a lot of people were skeptical of that. That could be Olave again. Like, Olave is a winner on the vertical. He wins against press man coverage often and early as a vertical receiver. So I'm not as concerned there.
0: Okay.
1: I have a quick question for you, though. This is an interesting fantasy kind of spinoff. You just mentioned a really interesting stat about how Josh Jacobs, how all the other Raiders running backs. And we were trying to figure out Samir White's name from Georgia. I, all so the Raiders running that. backs. I can't believe
0: that happened.
1: Seventeen. You said seventeen carries, and Jacobs had three forty. No, no, one.
0: no. The second, okay. the second highest was but seventeen. Second highest was seventeen. They probably carries. had about fifty to sixty. Right. You know.
1: So seventeen. Yeah, but second highest was seventeen carries. Jacobs had three forty. How many other, or and this is probably for another time. I mean, unless you can come off from the top of your head, but how many other situations have we seen like this where we? couldn't have been more wrong and everything kind of changed when it came to coaching tendency projections. Cause we projected that this is Josh McDaniels coming over to Vegas. He's coming from new England. We know the new England Patriots way. That means the running backs are getting spread out carries. We're never going to be able to trust who's on the goal line. We're seeing different running backs every week. They're going to use five or six running backs. Josh Jacobs, like how, like how many other situations were like that? And what, what can we learn from that? Right? Because that to me was one of the biggest misses for me in last fantasy season, just thinking Josh Jacobs, where's the upside coming from in a new England style, you know, coaching fit where, you know, you're going to get different running backs every week and have no real way to trust them.
0: Yeah. I don't believe in coaching
1: tendencies okay. so you don't I, over.
0: Well, no, I, I did. First of all, Josh McDaniels said he was going to use multiple guys and I think he intended to, but it never materialized. However, I would point and I have pointed out many times that this idea that the, that the, the Patriots never, had a workhorse running back is is a faulty one. They did. They did with Steven Ridley. They did with, um, with uh, LeGarrette Blunt. They have at other times. Now, they've never had a three-down back like they did with Ramondre Stevenson last year. They've never had that workhorse. And actually, Stevenson wasn't really necessarily the third-down right. back. He just caught a lot of passes on first and second down. All but about 9 to 12 of his catches were on first and second down. They've never had that. But they have just given a guy the ball and and let him, you know, run a lot. Uh so I didn't think Jacobs would have that kind of workload because they weren't talking him up like that. But I am a big believer that I'm a big believer in personnel over coaching background. Okay. Like uh for example, the conversation we had about the Washington tight ends last year or mm-hmm. uh, the Giants tight ends. I don't really think there's anything that we can say, oh oh my Kafka Eric Bieniemy came from Travis Kelsey. They're going to get the tight end involved. Like, the Giants are going to get the tight end involved because they have Darren Waller. You know, Daniel Bellinger wouldn't have a big role in the passing game. Um, I don't believe that. I don't believe that a wide receiver, for example, can't be great on a Doug Peterson team because he loves his tight end so much. When he was the Eagles' head coach, he had Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. His best wide receiver was Alshon Jeffrey, who was fine. I think Calvin Ridley can shatter what Alshon Jeffrey did. And right. uh, you know, and Evan Ingram was good last year, but it wasn't like he was the focal point of the offense. So any coach worth his salt is going to get his best players the ball and not be rigid to yeah. some type of system.
1: And maybe that's the lesson here, like follow the personnel because even that's a good example of Doug Peterson. I mentioned it yesterday when we were talking busts. like before last season, when ETN had almost 250 touches, a Doug Peterson back hadn't had more than 200 touches in all but one season, and he was barely over 200. And last year, it was Travis ETN and basically nothing in that backfield from a personnel talent standpoint. So he had to adjust. So I think that's probably a good way to look at it because maybe that we lean too heavily on what McDaniel's was saying. The fact that Josh Jacobs played in that preseason game that everyone went crazy about. When you look around the roster, and it was just like Zamir White and Amir Abdullah and like guys like that as his competition.
0: Exactly. And you know that that's brings up a good point about Javante Williams. Um it's it's complicated obviously by the ACL injury and the Samaje Pirine role, but this one, you know, this is a long history. Sean Payton has really never had a workhorse back yep. until his last season as head coach. Uh the most carries in a season by any Sean Payton running back with the Saints was two hundred and forty four. In, by Deuce McAllister in 15 games in Peyton's first season as head coach. However, Alvin Kamara did have 240 carries in only 13 games uh, in 2021. So, but, but, but Peyton is a guy like that. I believe that one a little bit more. That is but the even guy. Even thinking who, about the 2021 season, though, because th-
1: this is another good example of that. I remember, if I was correct, that year they really didn't have good competition around Kamara. They didn't have Murray on that roster. I think after that they traded for Mark Ingram and then signed him to an extension because I feel like they felt like they had to rely a little too much on Kamara in ways that he didn't want to there, Peyton.
0: Yeah. I, I, so I'll buy into that one a little bit more because I think Samaj P. Ryan is certainly yeah. capable of coming off the bench and being a, a good backup running back that has a nice role. Um, but I always buy into personnel more than the coaching schemes personally. All right, we'll take a break. We got your Apple podcast questions. We got the fantasy cops. We got your emails at fantasyfootball@cbsi.com All that's coming up right after this.
1: Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half.
0: All right, here we go. Apple podcast questions. This one is from Tyler. Would you rather keep Derek Henry in the first round or Brian Robinson in the 12th round? I'm leaning Robinson.
1: I'm also with on Robinson there, Adam. Keep that first round pick open and available to you. I know it's not as valuable in a keeper league, so maybe this is kind of putting Derek Henry at value because we see him going in our drafts right now that we're doing uh, with our fantasy team and in the back end around two, around there, usually maybe a little earlier sometimes. So I think you have a better chance of value with Robinson.
0: This one is from I don't know Ty. Uh, okay, so this is Ty call, calling me out. <laughs> oh yeah. Now listen, man. This is what I. This is. I'm that surprised I,
1: this email got squeaked in.
0: Oh no. If you put it in Apple Podcast, you know, it's a good chance, but a good chance to be read. But I don't mind people calling me out for things I say. I hate when people call me out for things I didn't say, and this happened. Earlier this week I think it was on Monday when I made my comment about Saquon Barkley and 10 million dollars and people started saying the most ridiculous things oh to my me on anti-worker and <laughs> like this and that and like getting all philosophical about it. I'm like, dude, all I said was 10 million dollars in one year is a pretty good fallback, right? It's not it's a pretty good uh, worst-case scenario. But anyway, Let's read this email, because you were on the show, the Dynasty episode, where we talked about creating our league and and the rules and the regulations. So Ty says, Heath is great with his Dynasty values. Adam has no idea what a modern Dynasty league looks like. I really try not to throw the shade at him as he catches a lot, but the last episode of the Dynasty show, Adam showed how in the dark he is. Didn't want super flex or tight end premium. Folded to both in the end. No No third round reverse wanted kickers and DST didn't want to collect two years of dues. And that was it. So he called me out on, on a lot of different items there. He said, I didn't want super flex or tight end premium. He's wrong. I did want super flex. And we have a super flex league. I don't want tight end premium though. He said, I folded to both in the end. He's wrong. I did not fold on tight end premium. (laughs) He said, I did not want a third down, uh, third round, excuse me, third round reverse. He's correct about that. I don't like it at all. He said, I wanted kickers and DST Incorrect. I never had kickers in there. I did have a DST, though, and we removed it. Uh, So if Eddie said I didn't want to collect two years of dues, I said I'd bring it up with the league. So if you're going to call me out, that's fine. Let's be a little bit more accurate with what you're calling me out on. Okay. And I went back, by the way, and I listened to that show today (laughs) to, to fact check this guy. And you were about thirty percent correct in your comments. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I'm with the guy, though. I, I agree with him <laughs> on all. <laughs> not not with you. Not okay. Let me clarify. I agree with all of the ideas that he had. I like third round reversal in this. I do think that you making it super flex makes it a little fairer, though, and yeah. we don't need it as much. But uh, defenses that was that was never going to make that was never going to make the cut there, Adam.
0: DSDs. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, but I also want to say. That, I think one of the reasons why people like Ty and all the people on Monday when I said the Barkley thing misquote me is Dan because Dan lies what? about me. He, Dan lies about me all the time. You know, he had this perpetuates this. <laughs> no, myth. I have one quote unquote lie
1: that I say about you that if I really put the time in and dug back up that draft. I'm pretty sure you went Miles Gaskin and Mike Davis back-to-back and then said, if I'm getting them in rounds four or five, I remember this clearly. If I'm getting them this deep in rounds five or six, this is why the running back dead zone's overrated. It was like this whole rant about how the running back dead zone's overrated. If they fall far enough, it's still fine. And you were like pounding running backs. You had like four or five Miles Gaskins. I don't know if it was exactly Mike Davis. I know for a fact Miles Gaskin was on that roster. Okay, you're
0: talking about I took him in
1: a mock draft or something like that. No, it was a listener league or something.
0: Oh, no. Oh, come on. Also, Richard says, when has Adam ever learned? And Richard, (laughs) did you hear my cookie story earlier in the show? Like I definitely learned from that. I'm going to check before I eat anything off my kid's plate from now on. Uh, Last one from Tyler. Apple Podcast question here from Tyler. So we all agree that Garrett Wilson is going to have a breakout season. Would it be ridiculous to take him at the back end of the first round in a redraft league?
1: I don't think it's ridiculous to ever go get your guy. If you see the path toward wide receiver one status and maybe not wide receiver one, but in the sense of like overall, but top five, top six, I just don't necessarily know if I agree as far, wholeheartedly with everyone else that Garrett Wilson is that big of a lock for a breakout. I think there's issues and concerns with me with the schedule there. The jets are facing a really difficult schedule this season. I think there's concerns with just Aaron Rodgers being the same quarterback. He was, I still think he throws the ball just like he did. I'm not sure if he sees the field the same way he did. He didn't look like he did last year. There could be reasons for that. Those reasons could be gone this year, but then the third big factor for me, and this is always going to be part of my analysis. It's something I, I, I believe in, that offensive line scares the hell out of me with the Jets. I don't really understand what they did at tackle. They're bringing back a 38-year-old to play left tackle who's had injuries basically every year of his career in the last five or so. And then they're bringing back Mekhi Becton on the other side. It's like Mikai Becton, that dude just had a major knee surgery, never really had any stretch of games, and is a big – I just putting a lot of weight on that knee. I, it just seems concerning to me, Adam, that they just have two tackles – a tackle situation there that could get really bad.
0: Yeah, they can. Beckton's gonna play right tackle, it seems, which he doesn't really wanna do, but he is at least in good shape. You know, he's he's always had weight issues. Right now he's in good shape. The line doesn't really bother me for a wide receiver. I, I you know, I, I think it's just about targets and, and all that. But the line would bother me for a quarterback and maybe for a running back, but not but What necessarily do you
1: think happened with the with the Chargers last year? That would be my question for you because but, a lot of people just say it's Lombardi, it's Lombardi, no, it's Lombardi.
0: Keenan Allen was but terrific sometimes the coaches, but Keenan Allen right, was terrific
1: last year. That's my point. But they had no vertical pass game and neither did Justin Herbert. Mike also Williams hurt was from good that. enough.
0: I mean Mike Williams was his, his usual inconsistent self, but he was good enough. You there know, was a
1: stretch of like 4 or 5 games when that offensive line was really at its worst where they couldn't do anything. They couldn't even drop back on a 6 or on a 4 or 5 or on a 3 or 5 step drop and get the ball out. It was yeah. I mean, it look, I know I might be overrating offensive line play, but if it gets to a point where it's really bad, it does impact the pass
0: game. So, the question was, can you take Garrett Wilson at the back of the first round of a redraft league? That's a little rich for me, but I think the middle of the second round is is fine, maybe even a little. <laughs> you know, you're talking about the difference between three or four picks, but you're also talking about C.D. Lamb, Stephon Diggs, Devontae right. Adams, uh, maybe Tony Pollard, maybe Nick Chubb in a half PPR league, or I you know I take Wilson in a full PPR. But um, that's a big deal—the difference between pick 12 and pick like 16. So I'm not there. The one th- another thing I want to point out is that Garrett Wilson had a really good rookie season, right? He had yeah. but he but he wasn't a top thirty receiver per game. So he had eighty-three catches, one thousand one hundred and three yards, four touchdowns. That's not a great especially on 147 targets. It's not a great rookie season. If you look at the the year two wide receivers since the Beckham draft, that was 2014. So year two wide receivers since 2015 that have been amazing in their second season, it's Beckham, right. Justin Jefferson. Both of those guys had rookie seasons that were a million times. That was so much better than Garrett Wilson. Because consider Beckham had only 12 games as a rookie. Right. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster had a 1,400-yard second season. And the other guy I would throw in there is DK Metcalf. And that would be the best comp. Because Metcalf was only at 900 yards as a rookie. And then he had a 1,300-yard 12-touchdown season or something like that. He was wide receiver 6 as a sophomore. So... Wilson doesn't compare to those guys in terms of what he did as a rookie, especially if you look at yards per target. However, he does compare very favorably in terms of yards per target and overall numbers to Jalen Waddell and Amandra St. Brown. And both of them had terrific second seasons. Both of them, however, did not produce first-round value in their second seasons. I don't know. Look, he's getting a completely different quarterback, and I think he's great. So, personally, what I just said doesn't really matter, but I did want to throw it out there for the audience To keep it in context, that if you're talking about Garrett Wilson as a first round pick, he did not have the rookie seasons that specifically Beckham and Jefferson had, not even close. And that's what you're looking for from a second season if you're thinking about taking him in the first round.
1: And if you want, and let's say you are taking him in the first round, you need a path. You need to in your mind think of a clear path to how he gets to that wide receiver one status. So it's either through a funneling of targets, like we saw with Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers in the past. Or a big red zone role or a big play ability. Like you mentioned Justin Jefferson and Odell Beckham. They may not be the biggest uh red zone threats, but they are all they were, at least at that point in his career with Beckham, huge big play threats. They were making like that's not something that we saw often with Garrett Wilson last year.
0: Right. All right, let's go to our emails at fantasyfootball at CBSI This one is from Mike. He says, Hey, Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Oof, that's tough, Dan. <laughs> it happened. I get <laughs> Um, All right, I have a question about what running backs you would take in rounds three and four over certain quarterbacks. Okay, Which running backs would you draft ahead of Joe Burrow? Would you draft Ramondre Stevenson, Najee Harris, Brees Hall, and Joe Mixon ahead of Joe Burrow?
1: So I think this question is a good example, Adam, of why fantasy football is so fun and why we love it and why we keep coming back to it. If you asked me this question two years ago, I'd be like, I would never take Joe Burrow over any of these players. I wait at quarterback in one QB leagues. I don't even consider one until rounds nine or 10. But nowadays you have to consider quarterback early because there is a massive gap between the top six quarterbacks last season. And then even that seven through 12 range versus especially the 12 and on range. And you're getting an edge there. So nowadays out of those running backs, Adam, I, I might be taking Burrow over all of them right now because I feel like Burrow is does at least for me represent. How can you a say that?
0: How, you just took Stevenson yesterday, okay. earlier this week. You're you right. took him over Josh Allen, and then
1: you got but that Josh was also Allen. because of what was left at quarterback. That's kind of how right. you know, the draft went a different way. It depend, Like in this, the way this that he sets this up, it seems like running backs are kind of falling. The quarterbacks are going fast. The big quarterbacks that you want, and it's almost like Burrow is the last of a tier.
0: So Burrow is the first of a tier for me. When you talk okay. about these running backs, Stevenson, Najee Harris, Brees Hall, Joe Mixon.
1: I mean, I'll take Stevenson over him for sure.
0: I would take the top three quarterbacks over all four of these guys. Okay. I would take at least some of them over Joe Burrow. I just had a, a draft, my first real draft of the year on Monday, and I took Burrow in the fourth round, one pick before Najee Harris went. The other guys, uh, Mixon was on the table. Mixon was still available for a while, actually. He was He got picked later that round. So I took Burrow over Najee Harris and Joe Mixon. I know I would keep doing that with Harris. I would take Burrow over Harris. Okay. I would not take Burrow over Stevenson or Hall as of now. And Mixon, I mean, (laughs) Mixon is potential first-round value. It's so funny. We just don't know how to value him right now. But if he just has the same role he had last year, he could not be that good of a player and still be one of the true must-start running backs of fantasy. Um. I, I imagine I will have mixon ahead of Burrow as long as he's on the Bengals in a month um but the thing is like I I do like if I can't get Burrow it might mean that I've also gonna I'm also gonna miss my chance to get fields or Jackson I like Trevor Lawrence enough as a fallback that if I didn't get burrow and I really wanted a quarterback then I would probably just make sure I got Trevor Lawrence
1: I don't feel as confident about Lawrence I think he's a, a full tier below burrow for me
0: he is, but in this case, you know, you're you're passing on Burrow. You're in theory you're getting two more picks in rounds three and four, or four and five, or something, and then hopefully you're landing Lawrence in yep. round six or seven. You know, it could be even. I don't even know where Trevor Lawrence. Also, when you
1: start at. to rely on that, now you're relying on one guy to fall to you. That that's always, always risky business.
0: Well, Lawrence went around eight in this draft, and Burrow went around four. So if there's going to be that big of a gap, yeah, uh, I'll take the Agreed. I'll take the gap there. Um. All right, next question from. From Bear Claw of the Berkeley Clarions Vintage Baseball Team in Berkeley, California. Nice. Dear Martin, Rosa, Frederick, and Malcolm. No idea. <laughs> Martin, I feel like I have to know this.
1: You have to know. Yeah, I feel like this is made for you, this question. Martin,
0: Rosa, Frederick, and Malcolm. What is that? Oh, these are these are uh black history figures I believe
1: okay now I get it thinking pop culture there
0: yeah should I keep Kelsey at pick 203 15th overall or AJ Brown at pick 310 34th overall half PPR for me
1: this is a clear answer and it's Travis Kelsey you're talking to one of the biggest Travis Kelsey enthusiasts in the game been this way for two or three straight seasons now I've always said he should be a top top half of round one pick. He never has been. Now he finally is. I see him going regularly in our mocks fifth or sixth overall. I think that's where he should be. So you're getting pretty good value here. There AJ Brown to me is not as much of a lock injuries have been a problem in the past. I have a personal guess that Devante Smith has a shot to outproduce him this year. I really like Devonte Smith, but with Kelsey, you know, the targets are there. You know, the red zone role is there. You know, the weekly advantages there at tight end, as long as he stays healthy.
0: I agree with you on Kelsey. And he asked, who should I take in rounds one and three, running back or wide receiver? I mean, round one, you go best running back or wide receiver available. Um, He mentioned Diggs and Lamb and Adams could be there. I don't think Diggs and Lamb are reaches in round one at 10th overall, personally. Um, I took Tony Pollard, 10th overall. uh, And then I took Diggs in round two in a recent draft. So, and then, you know, and then see who's available. Just take best player available, you know. Don't, Don't overthink. Don't go in with a set plan. Thank you very much for the question. This is from Brad in Traverse City, Michigan. I am in a three-keeper league, and I am keeping Josh Jacobs and Brees Hall. I'm targeting targeting a later round running back or two that would be a good fit to start the season, while Hall eases back into a regular workload, uh, or even Jacobs starts slow due to a possible starts slow due to a possible holdout. I'm looking at Rashad Penny. Samaj P Ryan and Jamal Williams. Are there any other late round running backs that get off to a hot start for three to four weeks? And if, even if they later lose their job to someone else.
1: Yeah, I think David Montgomery is an interesting one because I think as we get further and further through this draft season into August, his ADP is going to keep dropping and dropping and dropping because all the Jameer hip Gibbs hype from training camp is going to pop right up, but they signed David Montgomery to a really lucrative contract relative to the running back market. Of course and he's still a running back who has done really well when it comes to force miss tackles. Uh, you know, the things I look for as far as projecting advanced metrics which are one forcement tackles and two yards after contact per attempt. He's good in both regards. He's been good in the red zone. He can do stuff in the passing game as well. So I think David Montgomery is a really interesting one. I wouldn't be surprised if we are in week three, Adam, or week four, and we're on a show and we're like, What's happening with Jameer Gibbs? What do we do with Jameer Gibbs? And he doesn't have as big of a role as people think as a rookie. And David Montgomery's kind of more of even like a work, uh, borderline workhorse. There, it's just a kind of a something I've been tossing around in my head all year, Adam. I think it has a potential upside there. Another guy I might throw in the mix there would be AJ Dillon. I think there's possibility that could be a more run-heavy offense than we think, with a big emphasis in the red zone on the run game, and AJ Dillon could be leading the way there. Um, and Samaj P Ryan's definitely up there for me as yeah. well.
0: The guys he mentioned, Penny, P. Ryan, and Jamal Williams, I'm not super sure about Rashad Penny. Me either. I I could see Penny being almost unstartable because Swift is going to work in the passing game and get some carries.
1: And Jalen Hurts runs the red zone.
0: um, I could see him averaging like five and a half yards per carry, but having a lot of 12 carries. I could see him being like Gus Edwards. Yep. Um, A little better than that. No, obviously I could be wrong, so I don't think he's a bad player to pick. You mentioned Jamal Williams. I would I would also put Kendry Miller in there. Um, yes. Just
1: so you all know how I feel about Jamal Williams. I'd rather Kendry Miller than Jamal Williams.
0: Yeah, I don't know about that because if you're talking about Camara suspended for six games or something like that, right? who's getting the week one, week two carries? I think that probably Jamal Williams, the seasoned veteran, True. gets the first chance. Um, but I wouldn't rule out Miller. Uh, let's go to the next question here. Sorry. This is from uh, Connor from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Ten-team PPR, three-flex, super-flex as well. Okay. He wants to know if he should trade for Joe Burrow and go all-in to win this year. So his main quarterback is Justin Fields, but his super-flex is Trey Lance with Sam Howell and C.J. Stroud on the bench. So he could use an upgrade there. Um, But he would have to give up Trey Lance, Devontae Adams and a 2025 first-round pick, Lance Adams and a 2025 first-round pick to get Joe Burrow and a 2024 second-round pick.
1: Yeah, I was looking through your roster because you also put it out there, uh, or it's in the email. And I was thinking about this trade, Adams. So I assume this is a dynasty league. It's not made clear by this, but it, I feel like it has to be, um, just b- based on his context. I think for me, I'm taking the swing at the quarterback upgrade. I just value quarterbacks so highly in Dynasty. And I just think the difference of the asset in Dynasty of a Joe Burrow and a Superflex versus an older Devontae Adams is so much greater than the first-round pick versus the second-round pick. So to me, it makes this a slam-dunk trade that I would just do right away before he takes it off the table.
0: Absolutely. Great call. Completely agree. Take another break. We got more emails, and we got the fantasy cops after this Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. All right, this email comes from Sal. And Sal is in a 12-team, half PPR, one quarterback league. Assuming both are there at 1.7 in my rookie draft, do you think Anthony Richardson or Dalton Kincaid is a better fit? He has Kyler, Carr, and Purdy. He has Chigo Conquo, Hayden Hurst, and Irv Smith. So would you take Mm -hmm. Richardson or Kincaid at 1.7? It's a one QB league.
1: Yeah, so one QB league changes things up, but I'm still going with Richardson at 1.7. I feel less confident Richardson is going to be an asset in fantasy football three to five years from now than Dalton Kincaid is because his game to me seems very certain. And he has Josh Allen for at least five years of his career. But with that said, looking at your quarterback situation, despite it being a one QB league, you could use the potential here for an immediate hit at quarterback. Like Anthony Richardson has potential to be a quarterback one in fantasy football right away. I think Jamie has him as high as eighth in his quarterback rankings already. He's super excited about him. So to me, I'll take the swing and maybe getting a league winning quarterback pick, especially when I don't have a lot of strength at my roster at quarterback over kind of a player I feel more certain
0: about a tight end. I've got to take that everyone's going to hate me for. Uh-oh. In a By the way, I agree with you. I'd take Richardson over Kincaid. Okay. In a dynasty league, Anthony Richardson is not my number 1 rookie quarterback. It's Bryce Young. I feel In, like I feel like Bryce Young is so underappreciated because he's small. I think he's a total. Okay, so this is just, can, you,
1: can you so you're talking Hold on. So for dynasty or for you're talking for dynasty, dynasty, Dynasty
0: rookie quarterback.
1: I don't hate this because I think there's a chance that people, sometimes people overrate in dynasty or underrate how important longevity is in dynasty. And there's a chance Anthony Richardson just might not work at the NFL level. He was not a productive quarterback at Florida. He's, you know, he has issues with mechanics. It worked with Josh Allen. It doesn't work with everyone. But Bryce Young, I feel pretty confident, is going to be that quarterback-style player that, as long as he doesn't get a lot of injuries, will be in the league for a while. So I don't hate this take. I wouldn't do it because I'm always swinging for upside, and I want the league-winning picks. You know that about yeah. me. But And I don't really see it with Bryce Young unless they really build an an, an arsenal of weapons around him, like Jamar Chase and, and T. Higgins, like the Bengals did there, but... I don't hate the take.
0: Yeah. So, first of all, you know, Richard says, OMG, this young call. I had a friend who called Leaf over Manning, just saying. Uh-huh. So, that's completely different because Bryce Young was drafted ahead of Anthony Richardson. And even Jim Ursay, the owner of the Colts who drafted Anthony Richardson, uh, like a month or two before that, said, Oh, that quarterback from Alabama looks pretty good. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, Bryce Young was the number one pick in the draft. If he were six foot two, we wouldn't be having this discussion, I don't think. You know, we'd be talking we'd about We'd still him. be
1: having this discussion because of Richardson's rushing I mean, upside. Maybe. Fantasy. Maybe. But, fantasy. but my yes. point is,
0: you know, in a redraft league, yeah, I'm taking Richardson over Young. In a dynasty league, if you've got, you know, 101, I'm taking Bijan, you know, mm-hmm. but but if you've got a, an early pick, you don't want to screw that up. And Richardson could fail, right? Like you said, he, he could just fail spectacularly. I don't think he will. I think he's going to be good. I think they're going to figure yeah. it out. It might take some time, but we've just seen these NFL coaches do well with these projects and so I believe in that. But in a dynasty league, I'd be hesitant to, you know, put that patience in and um and deal with struggles because I do think it's going to be a bit of a struggle for Richardson at first. And and Young, I just think Young is, has become an underrated prospect at this point. Man, for God's sake, he was incredible in college and he was the number one pick in the draft. He's just small. That's, that's the only thing I think that you can take away from him.
1: And he was incredible in college with the worst set of receiving weapons that Alabama's had in the last five years. This was the only draft we you can remember where Alabama had no weapons, no skill players drafted anywhere except for Jameer Gibbs, obviously.
0: All right. So I, I, I did say that after no the receivers draft, or tight ends. but Sorry. it's been a while. It's been a while, um, since I've brought that up, but, uh, I do still feel that way. I mean, I just because I was reading an article about Bryce Young yesterday, and and so far, I would expect this to be the case. But so far, it's rave mm-hmm. reviews, and they love him, and they love his makeup, and and this and that. And I I think he's flying under the radar in a dynasty standpoint. Believe it or not, even though he was the number one pick in the draft, uh, and I I, like his Frank Reich, yeah, absolutely. And and they'll be in the position to add weapons, you know, as early as next year, right. From T-Bob in the actual home... Ooh, is that true? Did they give up next year's first-round pick to trade up?
1: What? Oh, the Panthers? They did give up next year's first-round pick.
0: Yeah. Okay. Might have to revisit that, but that (laughs) doesn't change my opinion. From T-Bob in the actual home state of the Jets and Giants. And Dan Schneider. The great state of New Jersey. Some, one of
1: the most underrated, the most underrated state gets a horrible rap because of dumb things like Jersey Shore. These people weren't even from the Jersey Shore. None are not are from New Jersey, I should say. I think like one of them was. Listen, come to New Jersey and here's what you're going to get great food, great people, beaches, mountains if you like to hike, 20 minutes proximity to New York City. It's, What's bad? What, what what can go wrong there? Yeah, besides the high taxes and incredible <laughs> and the cost of living here. <laughs>
0: All right, one QB, ten team PPR dynasty league. I gave up Jerry Judy and Deshaun Watson for Jalen Waddle in a dynasty league. Ten team PPR dynasty league. I gave up Judy and Watson. It's a one QB league for Waddle. Yeah, one QB, ten team
1: makes Deshaun's Watson. Deshaun Watson's value plummet quarterbacks are just not as valuable in 10 team leagues, not as valuable in one QB leagues. So it's kind of the classic two for one upgrade here. In my opinion, as long as you're in a spot where you can feel okay at quarterback without Watson on your team. And I think you are. So I like it. I like making the upgrade here to get Waddle.
0: And the other trade was George Pickens for Damian Pierce. He gave up George Pickens for Damian Pierce in a PPR dynasty league. It's another trade. I really like, I, I think
1: George Pickens is an interesting talent. I think he's going to be tied to Kenny Pickett for too long in his career.
0: So you and I have a, a Dan and a, a – we have a, a Don, I think, and a Dave problem. There's that guy, Don Saxby. Is that his name who hates me? Calls me numb nuts all the time, right?
1: I have another guy yeah. who hates me. What's yeah, his name? Yeah, Dave. And Dave is here. Dave- Dave, what? Dave Zarnick, and he's oh, this you guy hates right. he's me. He's killing man. you right now. He shows up on every show just to kill me. This guy, Dave. Stop putting Dan on. Never has any reason for it. It just just hates me. The, the, the Dan is all
0: about himself. I'm all about myself. I don't care about myself. I <laughs> this know, this, crazy Dave, comment. Now, even <laughs> though Dave almost... did did Dave did go on to say Adam is the goat, so I can't I can't be too. Big well, Adam is a goat. That's that's without question. But Dave, you are really are wrong I'm about. not all Dan, of them if you think dan's all about know yourself me all. If you think of i all actually about now he's saying hashtag adam for president and i'm kind of on dave's side now but if i were being <laughs> no,
1: this guy kills me man if yeah, you one of it. the scariest things to do in this business is look at the comments yeah. anywhere um especially then i've seen dave come at me hard all the time It's just a meet and just not yeah no, youtube guess,
0: not youtube friend, youtube is where self, self-esteem goes to die it does <laughs> I think Dave is a fake name, and this kid probably went to high school with Dan, and he's jealous of his job.
1: Yeah, there we go. Thomas always has my back. Notice this throughout my tenure here. Thomas is, Thomas a is like guy. my number one guy in my corner.
0: He's got everyone's back. Thomas, is that have we uh, increased the bid yet on the dynasty spot, or is it still thirty five hundred? Dave, go bid on our go
1: bid on our eBay store, Dave. Do something Dave. productive with your dad <laughs> It's still the same. Okay.
0: Hey, 30. Dave said he just wanted a shout out. That's all he knew. If he ripped you. That he get a <laughs> shout out. So job well done. Easy way to get in. All right, this one is from Sam in Calgary. Dear Daryl, Kenny, Jim, and Rich. I feel
1: like quarterbacks to me, but Daryl, Kenny, Jim, and Rich.
0: Oh yeah, Oakland Raiders
1: quarterbacks.
0: Darryl
1: I don't know Johnson? who the Daryl is. No, that's not. Just that was bad. Daryl
0: LaMonica. Daryl LaMonica.
1: One day I'll get okay. one of these right. No,
0: you probably won't, but but Dave will. I've guy, had Dave. a few.
1: I've had like two or three total.
0: Um <laughs> all right. Here's the question is oh, not a lot. Hit the wrong button on my laptop here. Uh okay. I have a dynasty question. PPR, tight end premium. Okay. Uh one QB and a super flex. Okay, so it's tight end premium and super flex and it's PPR. Um I was offered Waddle and Fryermuth for. Kyle Pitts, Kendry Miller, and a 2024 second-round pick. Um, I think it's a decent offer if I'm trying to contend, but I think I should be trying to get picks. Okay, he thinks he's not quite a, a contender. So should he try to get more? I think this is a great trade. He gives up Kyle Pitts and a second-round pick in 2024 for Waddle, Friarmuth, and Kendry Miller.
1: Well, Kendry Miller was like... You can almost look at it like the Kendry Miller and the 2024 pick canceled themselves out a little bit. Kendry Miller was a mid-second-round pick in most r- rookie drafts. You're probably looking at a mid-to-late second-round pick here with your second-rounder if you're going for it. I just have a big issue, Adam, with trading Kyle Pitts and Dynasty. If I have Kyle Waddle? Pitts— I get it. Yeah, I'm I'd, getting rather, I'd rather have waddle. waddle. I'd rather, rather have waddle. This yeah. remember, this is tight end. I know you're not.
0: Oh, familiar with it, Oh no, no, you're right. This I'm is sorry. tight end premium. I forgot about that. He is, is tight end premium. He's and getting Youth back though. With
1: Pitts, if Pitts ever gets competent quarterback play, which literally could be as soon as 2024, if the Falcons are bad this year, win uh, you know win loss wise, he's going to be like an infallible asset in a league like this with tight end premium, and he's mm-hmm. and he's still incredibly young. The talent's still there. He's just been injured, and he's had bad quarterback play.
0: Yeah, I, I am sorry. I missed the tight end. I didn't miss okay. it. I just forgot.
1: Now it's you still are not a bad you're trade. It's Fryer-Muth still not back. a bad
0: trade. It's not a slam dunk, but you're getting Fryermuth back, and you're getting Waddle. And I like Fryermuth. talent wise. I still think I, like I do this pick, but I
1: it's trade. close. I just not. I'm not in a position where I would be trading picks if I had them.
0: The sweet sound of the fantasy cops. It's been too long. All right, let's do it. This one is from Owen in a town just south of Richmond, Virginia, Miami. Um, I've been running a redraft league for 13 seasons with pretty much the same group of guys. I've made minor adjustments to scoring here and there over the years, but have always disclosed any changes well before the season starts. One of the core members of the league came to me with a suggestion for a new rule this year. His idea is a mulligan rule where teams would be able to substitute someone in their starting lineup with someone from their bench after the week and the matchup is over. Well, it's got to be after the matchup is over, not after the week is over, right? But each team can do this only once per season, not in the playoffs. And if the opponent has not already used their mulligan for the year, that team can counter with a mulligan of their own. I told them that I can put it out to a league vote, but because it's a major change that will affect the outcome of games, it will need to be unanimous. He's saying that it should only need a simple majority to pass and that I never insisted on a unanimous vote in the past when making tweaks to scoring. The word dictator may have been thrown around. So I'm asking a couple of questions. What do you think about this mulligan rule and is this this the level of change that should require a unanimous vote?
1: I, if I heard this right, Adam, I feel like the only dictator here is the, per, the friend in your league who's telling you how, you how you have to go about this vote and what you how many votes you need for his idea to pass. So I'm with you. I think this is a major change that would require a unanimous vote. For example, in my league in the past, uh, we're going into year 16 where I'm commissioner of that home league. In that league, like when we've done things like change to Superflex or, or whatever, things of that nature, we decided those only needed a majority vote. Those ones we don't feel are unanimous, but a mulligan rule, something that's not incorporated into CBS sports site or really any fantasy site, you'd have to pretty much, I think, do this manually after the week. The commissioner would have to kind of set the line, reset the lines and change things. That's a major, major thing that I believe I agree with deserves a unanimous rule. I also I've heard the mulligan before. In my opinion, Adam, the better way to do this is and I think it's more fun is the mulligan is. It has to be used in the first quarter of the game. So it's like mm-hmm. if you guy got injured, you can sub somebody in and that way, or if you just know a guy's like getting ready to break out or something like that. Yeah. It's like I like that a little bit better version than like the end of the week thing. Though it does accomplish one thing which I do like, which is like a little bit more taking the luck out of it. If a guy gets injured in the first quarter, you get to kind of remedy that once a year. So I don't mind it. I just feel like I agree with the commissioner here that he's doing everything that's right. He's saying this is a big change and it deserves a unanimous ruling.
0: Alright, there you go. Not guilty. This is from Matt in Northwestern Ontario. Dear Walsh, Anderson, Carlson and Bailey. And are these
1: kickers? Swedish
0: kickers? I don't know. <laughs> um, Alright, I had a Fantasy Cops that I remembered from last year and figured for a change of pace, I would ask now. I ran into a situation where my quarterback was on a bye and my bench was filled with people on bye or injured players except for DJ Moore. It was a 14-team league. Uh, The waiver wire was barren. I offered the person who had Kirk Cousins on their bench a trade, my DJ Moore for his Kirk Cousins. All right, so he needs a quarterback desperately, and he offers DJ Moore for Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins was going to be on a buy the next week, so I also said, if you want Cousins back after this week, you can trade back for him because I will be dropping him next week. So basically giving him a week to see if DJ Moore actually does something this season or if he puts up an egg, he can redo the trade. I mentioned I said this at some point to the other league members, and while they didn't call me out for something, they borderline thought they borderline thought it was legal. Thanks again for all you do. All right, so what do you think? The uh, we've had this question a lot. It's yeah, the trade it's back.
1: The, it's the classic trade back question. Um, you know where I stand on this. I think Adam, I am not for trade backs. I think they're unfair. I don't think they're good. They're you know I don't think they're done. And they might be done in good faith, but I don't think they help. They're, they. Upset the balance of the league too much, in my opinion. That's kind of the biggest issue I have with them. So I'm just—I I guess I just kind of like a have a hard and fast rule. I'm against them.
0: Okay, this is exciting. What happened? I'm going to update our league constitution for the Dynasty League. Okay, I am going to say trade packs. No if you acquire a player from another manager, you cannot trade that player back to the manager until 3 weeks have been played in the season.
1: I think that's a good good rule right there and I think that's a good time frame.
0: 3 weeks. Yeah, okay. That I don't want people to think yeah, okay. All right, good stuff. Thank you. Uh last one from Dan. We play in a contract dynasty league. Oh, oh wait. Wait, hold on. Dan, I'll get back to you. So um, this is something that uh, our previous emailer brought up, Matt in Northwestern Ontario. He said, Adam, with the victory lap you took last year about the Colts, quote, beating the Eagles, how much of a victory lap did you take about being one year off of the Robbie Ray Cy Young call? Thank you for remembering that. I did predict Robbie Ray would win the Cy Young as a bold prediction. He went out had a dreadful season. Next year he went to the Blue Jays and he won the Cy Young. So (laughs) I did take a victory lap. That is great. You are referring to the Colts almost beating the Eagles when I called that. I said they would win. They almost won. I victory <laughs> lapped that. <laughs> that
1: was the first Jeff Saturday game, wasn't it?
0: First or second. Something yeah. like that. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a great call. I mean, they came so close. Nobody was giving them a chance. All
1: right, anyway. You know, you could have done something with that call. You could have taken the points that day. You could have. Maybe I did. There's a lot of things. Yeah, maybe you did.
0: Maybe I did. Um, yeah, I uh I've got one outstanding bet right now. Uh oh. What is it? It's the Yankees to win the World Series. That's not Homer based at all. Plus twelve hundred. But you know what I'm gonna do since you're here, buddy? And since yeah, I actually I actually think this makes sense. Okay. I think I'm gonna bet on the Mets to win the World Series. No, no, no. I'm gonna no, see no. what ten dollars can that get. That doesn't there. make any sense. They are still oh, they're only plus twenty five hundred. Yeah. For a team that's all right. Let's see. Terrible. Ten bucks gets me two sixty. All right. So let's hope for a Subway Series. <laughs> so uh, we'll be good there. All right. Last one. Dan says we play in a contract dynasty league. Rookie drafts have assigned three-year contracts determined by the, determined by the draft pick. Last year, the last two picks in the draft, picks eleven and twelve of round five, did not make a pick or trade the picks away. The impact is tiny, could be as little as $0.75 to $3 of a $1,300 salary limit. We don't have a specific rule requiring a pick to be made, but should foregoing a pick and avoiding the tiny salary impact be allowed? I think it should
1: definitely be allowed. I think this is good strategy. I think those fifth and sixth round picks, these people are understanding that value of them is very low. They're better off not spending the money. If you think this is such an issue, the thing I would suggest is getting rid of the sixth round. Getting rid of maybe the fifth round if you feel this is that big of an issue. Well, yeah, but, it is and, only the
0: fifth round. Yeah, it's, they don't have the a fifth sixth round.
1: round. Sorry, um, that'd be my suggestion. Otherwise, I think it's a good strategy.
0: Okay, I mean the NFL, you can't just not make a pick. Right? You can't
1: make a pick. The Vikings did it once. Yeah, but then they made a pick yeah, one pick, pick later. A pick, yeah, yeah I don't, You're right. You could trade those picks though. That's you could what trade the NFL them. Teams do. Yeah, yeah. Which All I right. guess this is what he's saying should be done here.
0: Well, I want everybody to have an awesome weekend. I want everybody to bid on. A couple of things, by the way, not just uh, or many things, not just the spot in the Dynasty League, a guest appearance on the show, yep. um, pre-draft calls with all of us individually um, and so many other things. All the benefits St. Jude. So we'll, we'll keep tweeting out links. Keep following us. Follow us on Facebook. Hit the like button on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Fantasy Football Day. Subscribe to that channel and have some fun this weekend. We'll talk to you on Tuesday on Fantasy Football Day.